Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I've never been put in a situation where I had to really be like, I don't have a choice. It's either my family or my career. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, my name is Samantha, and I'm a visibility strategist at Samantha Diane CO. I've just started listening to the Women in Tech podcast recently, and with each episode, I feel a sense of empowerment, inspiration. I really enjoy hearing the stories of women from all around the world who are innovating and who are leading in an industry that's typically thought of to be male-dominated. I can always count on the Women in Tech podcast to Give me that little bit of inspiration that I need to push myself just a little bit further. You can connect with me on Instagram at samanthadiane.co. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Okay, so this next personal spot as I am in bed playing hooky for the morning, do you guys feel the same guilt that I feel when you just need to take a couple hours off to play hooky, but you're like, oh, I have a whole list of things that I need to be tending to. And it's just crazy because our health is so important, but being a driven person, an ambitious person, somebody, you know, as we all are, that we want to you know, continually achieve feels like there's no time to play hooky. There's no time to unwind. There's no time to relax because we have so much that we want to achieve in this world. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll just leave it that I feel totally guilty, but I'm still in bed because I know I need it. Just being really transparent. I've had a couple friends go through really terrible life situations and maybe it's because I'm an empath. Maybe, I don't know. I just... I feel like my heart's really heavy caring about them. And and now I'm in bed, but nothing's actually wrong with me. <laughs> but maybe I just needed to take some time to rest and decompress. But anyway, let me know if you feel this way too. It's nice to know that we're all in this together, as they say. All right, bye. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back 
to the Women in Tech podcast featuring women in tech around the world. Next up, we have someone from Los Angeles, just like me. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, Looking forward to sharing your story with everyone. To kick things off, go ahead and share a little bit about who you are and what you do. I'm Jessica. (laughs) I'm actually the CEO and co-founder of a startup called WeCare. We are actually in the childcare space. So we are a childcare marketplace to actually help families find affordable and convenient care because it's really hard, especially now. And then at the same time, we're actually helping small business providers with their own businesses and really giving them a business in a box solution that they can operate out of their pocket. And when did you first become interested in technology? Oh, way earlier. (laughs) Well, first thing, I graduated out of UC Berkeley. So we were in the tech center back then. So that may age me just a little bit. And I remember I used to participate in tech competitions, consulting competitions, and it was always about creating new things. I remember I participated one that was like a Netgear competition. And it was all about creating. That was a big deal. That was a big deal back in the day. Yeah. Oh, cool. They actually wanted to do a whole like, you know, what Amazon has basically done right now. It's like, how do I control my whole house off of my router? They had the thought process back in the days. It's too bad they didn't take advantage of it. (laughs) How did you parlay that initial interest in technology into becoming a founder of a company? Yeah. So, you know, I did a lot of tech stuff in college. And then I did a lot of finance because that was kind of the thing to do when you graduate out of the business school. You're like, hey, like, what are you going to do? I'm going to go into finance, become an investment banker, hopefully make enough money to pay off student loans. So spent a number of years in finance. And then, you know, what really kind of got me back in was, this was right after like the financial crisis. I was exhausted, working countless hours and really not getting much out of it had a great background, but I thought I was like, I really wanted to do something myself. And at that time, tech was doing pretty well. So that's actually how I went into technology. And then after I kind of got the entrepreneur bug of working in startups, I stayed in it. And really what ended up making me a founder was actually kind of more personal, right? I was doing, you know, real estate tech companies, healthcare tech companies, always loving to be in tech, but never a founder. And then I ended up actually getting pregnant. And then I realized how hard it was to find childcare, like really, really hard, probably harder than like, I was literally pulling like all nighters getting super stressed out. Cause I was like, there's nothing open. And I remember telling my husband this and I was like, there's literally nothing open. And if I'm going to go back to work, I'm not going to have any childcare. It's just not going to happen. And I remember talking to him about it and he was like, oh, maybe we have to like quit our job. Like one of us has to quit our job. And I was like, well, I don't want to quit my job. (laughs) And that was kind of weighing really heavy on me because I was like, I've never been put in a situation where I had to really be like, I don't have a choice. It's either my family or my career. And that's actually what was the trigger point. I was like, okay, someone's got to solve it. And I think I can be the one to solve it. And that's actually how I became a founder of WeCare. And how long has We Care been around? Yeah, you know, we uh, passed our three years in September. So we're going on, I guess, three months in. So we're getting to our fourth year. 
And uh, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> if anyone says being a tech founder or even in a startup at the early stage is fun and easy, then they've got something else <laughs> that they're thinking about or they drink a lot of alcohol. But it, it is hard, you know, but I, I wouldn't regret that anytime. It was really, there's a lot of ups and downs being a startup founder, but every time that we were able to see that we were able to help a family and really help a family, that's where it's like, oh, everything makes up for it. This is our mission. This is why we're driven to really solve a real issue that literally probably half of the world feels for 18 years of their life. I mean, I feel like your company itself is overcoming the obstacle you're facing, but what is something in your career that has just been like, ah, and then you overcame that? I think I can probably give an example. I can give many examples, but I think one that's probably more relevant to everyone right now is COVID. And I'm sure a lot of companies were going through a pretty hard phase, like in middle March where everything shut down. And to be honest, we were really scared too, because, you know, when it comes to viruses, Kids are the worst spreader of viruses. Let's all be honest. Like every time there's flu season, I'll probably get the flu. Every time there's a cold season, I will get the cold because my kids will bring whatever is at their daycare home. You know, that's a scary fact that that's just, just like most parents understand, right? So when COVID hit, that was the assumption too. We were all really scared of like, hey, what's going to happen with children? Because we didn't know enough back then. And children spread diseases really easily. We've got to shut down everything. And that was a big hit. Like we were really progressing well. We were expanding. We were nationwide. <laughs> and suddenly everything shut down. And it was scary. As a founder, you have to go back to your employees and be like, oh, so our company is going to take a significant dip, but we're going to get through this. And I think that was a really difficult thing for us because basically you know, maybe that's a good thing of being a startup. You're always thinking about like, okay, like if this isn't working, how do we make it work? So that was kind of the part that we were trying to do is like, we really pushed through because, you know, I think having the experience of another crisis, like the financial crisis and being able to overcome that helped to kind of prepare. It's like, okay, yeah, this sucks, but let's not dwell on it. What can we be proactive about? And to be honest, we were. We actually came up with two new business line items during the pandemic when there was a lot of uncertainty. Both business line items are growing really well. And now post, well, not post-COVID, still during COVID, you know, starting in July and going forward, we've been growing double digits month after month. And it took that time. I mean, first of all... <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's a big deal. Yeah. It's just kind of taking a different mindset. Like we were, I think for most of it, I mean, we were definitely really scared. So let's all be honest, everyone's scared and it's okay to admit that we were all scared. It's that mentality of like, well, either we can let it affect us or we can take it and run with it and be like, okay, now given the situation is what it is, well, what do people need right now? And talk to me about your team. How large is your team? So our team isn't really that large. You know, we've got about like probably about 20 people in LA. Okay, that's large. <laughs> <laughs> it's not large for a growing startup company. <laughs> but we also have team members that are outside. And I think that's one of the cool things about what remote work has taught us because we were big on like everyone needs to be here because we have meetings and it's good to understand what people are doing. 
And then we realized, we're like, oh, well, people can be productive working from home. And if that's the case, maybe we can have other people like move out of California and still be working for the company. And maybe we can actually hire really good engineers that didn't have to be in LA and could also work remotely. We have other people that are outside of Los Angeles, but it kind of gave us a new concept of like, yeah, this remote working environment might actually work. And maybe some people actually prefer that than actually being in an office. What does your day-to-day look like, especially now? What does your pandemic day-to-day look like? I feel like I'm juggling everything in the air and hoping that something doesn't fall through the crack. So I've got two kids. So both my kids are really young. One's a toddler and one's a preschooler, essentially. And, you know, my day-to-day is getting woken up at like 6 a.m. in the morning by one of my kids jumping onto our bed. (laughs) That just naturally happens. Really cute, but like lack of sleep. (laughs) And then it's about, you know, both my kids are going to We Cares. So, you know, this is, I'm a true believer of my own product. So, and then the day, like both my kids are in a We Care and that actually creates a lot of stability for both my husband and myself who are like working super hard during this period of time. But we wake up at 6 a.m., we get the kids ready for school. And that's usually just a mad rush of like, oh my God, you got to have breakfast. Got to make sure you have lunch and then make sure you're dressed. Wear your socks. <laughs> it's a lot of that. And then, you know, sending them to school. And then, you know, that gives us peace and quiet afterwards. So after that, we're spending, you know, a couple of hours just working on our day. Like my day is usually like, as soon as the morning, like I start, I get my cup of coffee and I get flooded by emails from the night before. And I'm like, when do people have time to write these emails? Or I get Slack messages. So I'm like, okay, I got to spend some time getting those through the door. And then I'm just working on what I would consider like high level strategy ideas, talking to potential, some of our enterprise clients, making sure that they're happy. They always like to hear from the CEO, give some priority kind of parts. And then catching up with my team, making sure that they have everything that they need to be successful for the day or the week. Usually <laughs> by the time afternoon comes around, I probably forget about eating. So I'm like s- scrambling through my refrigerator to see what I can make off of like 10 minutes. And then it's kind of back to doing that same thing. And then around, I would say about 4.30, that's when I get my kids from school. They're a little bit hectic and we're trying to continue to work to around six or seven. They got to get food in their mouth, got to get a bath. They're out to sleep by 8.30 and then... Most of the time, me and my husband are back at work again after 8.30. But sometimes, if we're lucky, we actually have some time to ourselves. So then it's like a nice bottle of wine and some Netflix, and that's the day. (laughs) About time management, is there any day where you feel like, yep, I got everything done? (laughs) No. (laughs) The easy answer is no. (laughs) Like, no. I would love to tell everyone that it is easy, but it takes some time to manage it. I think we've gotten to a pretty good place where, for example, if I'm out picking up my kids and you know they are wanting to decorate the Christmas tree today, people know and respect that time. Like They're like, look, Jessica's with her kids. And if there's anything that they need answered, they will slack me about it. I can easily pick up my phone and answer it. Or, you know, they'll write me an email and then later on at night when both my kids are asleep, I'll go up and finish kind of the remaining hours. And that's kind of really important, whether that's for yourself or for, you know, your family. Setting boundaries is what keeps me sane. Like, okay, my boundaries in the morning, 
that's time for my kids. When they come back from school till when they sleep, that's time for my kids. And like we keep to those boundaries. And sometimes on the weekend, it's individual time. And I actually think that's really important to make for a happy marriage. Like you need to spend time away from your spouse, especially when we see them 24 seven now. And so there's like, we've got our own times and it's, it's just like, don't bother mommy, nothing, whatever mommy wants to do, whether that is sitting and watching Netflix and drinking some wine or actually going gardening outside, like just leave her alone. Boundaries are so hard. I'm still working on boundaries. I'm curious, what did year one for your company look like compared to year three now? You know, year one was really figuring out what is the product and like what are customers wanting to buy and does that product actually satisfy them? It was like a proof point, right? Year one was like, I've got this crazy idea. I think it's going to be able to solve it. Now I got to go prove that people are willing to pay for it or prove that people are willing to download it, depending on what kind of company you have. So that was really mostly year one was just figuring that out. And then year three is about taking an idea that works and really expanding it. It's about scale, right? It's about like, okay, I figured out how to make it work in LA. Could I actually replicate that somewhere else? And could I make it more efficient? Like, could I actually build a team out based on like, being able to make them more efficient. So month after month, are they making it easier on themselves? Could we use product to automate certain steps for them? And could we expand out and showcase that we can replicate multiple times in different areas? So it's different time periods. Obviously, year three was a little bit filled with COVID too. So there was also the, how do we make this work again? The reinvention of self, of identity, of everything is this pandemic. One question I love to ask is, I'm just like in love with productivity tools. What's your favorite tool? It could be app, website, software, hardware. What's one that I must check out that is your absolute favorite? Oh, man, this is, you know, this is going to sound really bad, but this is very COVID specific because we're all stuck at home and I need what I could call retail therapy. Are you Let's about all be to say honest. Amazon? Yes, I'm about to say Amazon. It is, look, look, the reason why I say this is it keeps me sane, right? So I can't go to the grocery store. So what do I do? I'm going on Whole Foods, buying groceries. My kid's toy doesn't make it a sound and it's driving me nuts. And he's like screaming on the top of his lungs. I go to Amazon and be like, get me batteries, send it to me tomorrow. So I know this sounds bad, but literally on Amazon almost every day to keep my family sane. And that makes me like happy. But I think the other one, like I would say for me personally would be like Headspace right now. And to be honest, I'm a little bit like <laughs> a little bit cheap. And they were offering everyone in LA um, subscriptions, premium subscriptions till the end of this year. So I was like, oh, I'll take advantage of this. And it's been really nice. Just like that is one of the parts that I would say my individual time is made up of is like, how do I meditate and kind of keep myself grounded and make sure that I am good for work and also good for my family. So, I mean, it's hard. I mean, this year has been really hard. I don't want to make it sound any easier and it shouldn't be any easier, but there are things that we can do for ourselves to keep ourselves better. And that's the only way that we can serve others. Totally agree. And a piece of advice you've gotten in your career that has helped accelerate you forward. I feel like my dad has given me really great advice. 
And maybe at that time I could not understand it because he used to sit me down um, when I was in high school and just be like, look, you know, this is what you got to plan for in your future. I also remember he like said something really smart to me when I was in high school. He was like, look, you like to spend money. You like to buy things. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to be in finance because that's going to make you money. (laughs) I was like, what does that mean? Why am I not like pursuing my passion? But it kind of made sense. But I think the best advice he ever gave me was like, my dad's an entrepreneur and a pretty successful entrepreneur. I think really early on, he was like, look, I'm just going to go and create something. And I think a lot of people, because I actually grew up in China, a lot of people um, in China are actually entrepreneurs. They're, They're like their own startup founders, right? And they have crazy ideas that they just go and pursue. And one of the best advice my dad gave me was he's like, look, like starting a company is like running a marathon. Like you're a marathon runner. In the beginning, it's super easy because you're not out of breath yet. And so it's like, hey, you're running and it feels great. You're looking at like the sky and it's cool. And then midway through, there's going to be ups and downs and you literally are going to be super tired, right? And it's like in the middle, this is when you're like, I want to quit right now. <laughs> like I can't, I can't run another 13 miles. This is crazy, right? you're going to have a lot of self-doubt. Like you're going to be like, Oh, should I quit? Should I not quit? Like, how am I going to get through another like 13 miles? And then in the end, you literally are going to be tired and it's going to feel like you can't make it. And literally it's like mind over body. You're dragging yourself over. But as soon as you get to the end, it's literally the best satisfaction you've ever felt. So that's how my dad always thinks. It's like, like this is a long road. It's not a sprint. You've got to work at it. It might seem easy in the beginning, but you've got to really put in the hours and times. And sometimes you're going to doubt yourself, but you got to pull through because once you get to the end, it's going to be the best satisfaction. And it's going to feel like you've achieved something greater than anything you've ever done. I love that. Cheers to your dad. I love that. I know he's so smart. Is there a book you've read recently or a book that's just a favorite that you'd recommend us read? Recent books I've been reading are children's books for my own kids, but there's a there's some like greatness about children books that I like have recently discovered. But <laughs> if you want me to say that. <laughs> that works. How can people connect with you further? We do have a Twitter handle for our company. So you just go to at WeCareCO to connect with us on Twitter. Or you can just email me. I know this is really bad, but jessica at wecare.co. And I actually reply to all my emails. That's not bad at all. That's awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we start to wrap up? I know this is probably going to be a little bit of a plug. (laughs) You know, what's great is that as female tech founders, there's not that many of us out there, right? And I always encourage women, like no matter how hard it is, like you got to just do it right? You can always convince yourself of why it doesn't make sense to do it. But if you never try, it's always going to be zero, right? So if you do, you have a chance that it is going to work out. So I always encourage, especially women, we always self-doubt more than men, I think. Like, just look at others, be inspired, go talk to other females. We're very supportive and go strive for your passion. If you need childcare, give us a call. (laughs) this will help you make sure that you can go for your dreams (laughs) thank you so much jessica for hanging out with the women in tech podcast 
Remember to connect and collaborate with all the amazing women in tech around the world. Be sure to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. And to say hello on social, check out at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hi, this is Jessica Chang. I'm the CEO and co-founder of WeCare. We are a early childcare marketplace. I'm based in Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.